This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Marissa Scott. So a doula is a person who supports a birthing person um, during pregnancy and um, labor and postpartum. And there are a couple of different kinds of doulas. There's birth doulas, which is what I'm certified as a certified labor doula. So that was some that's someone who's going to specifically be with the birthing person during labor. Um, and uh, a lot of times we like to refer to it as just mothering the mother. So the person that's giving birth is going to be wholeheartedly supported. Um, their ideas, their goals, their, their hopes and dreams for this birth, um, whatever their values are, their their cultural values, their religious beliefs, everything is wholeheartedly supported. And we're there to help them um, be a self-advocate. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. I hope that you have already tuned into last week's episode with Marissa. If you haven't already, go check that out and then come back to this episode. This is part two with Marissa Scott. Last week, we talked about her private practice and how she has and hopes to continue expanding it to include other therapeutic modalities. Uh, Music therapy and art therapy are already there, but we talk about her vision for the future. We also touch on um, pregnancy and music, and today is the rest of our conversation where we talk more about how Marissa is a certified labor doula and how she incorporates that with her music therapy practice. If you're not already following us on social media, we are at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms, and there, as I said in last week's episode, I've been doing polls about if you want to hear longer episodes but less times a month so say three longer episodes a month or still have our weekly episodes but split up some of these conversations and consistently you guys have said you want weekly episodes so here's another divided conversation again this is part two with marissa you can also support the podcast by subscribing rating and reviewing again following us on social media or and or becoming a patron on patreon.com. All right, let's get into part two of my conversation with Marissa.
So let's move into, you are a certified labor doula, which we've said a few times, but for yeah. anyone who has no idea what that is, can you break down what that means? Yes, absolutely. So a doula is a person who supports a birthing person um, during pregnancy and um, labor and postpartum. And there are a couple of different kinds of doulas. There's birth doulas, which is what I'm certified as a certified labor doula. So that was some, that's someone who's going to specifically be with the birthing person during labor. Um, and uh, a lot of times we like to refer to it as just mothering the mother. Hmm. So the person that's giving birth is going to be wholeheartedly supported um, their ideas, their goals, their, their hopes and dreams for this birth, um, whatever their values are, their, their cultural values, their religious beliefs, everything is wholeheartedly supported. And we're there to help them um, be a self-advocate um, and really to help them, you know, by giving them uh, evidence-based information and, um, you know, if they are interested in like learning about a certain topic, we can point them and be like, oh, here's a really great um, evidence-based place you can look and find that for resources. Um, but also is that physical and emotional support that we provide during labor. So, you know, through touch and um, helping them with positioning and just being somebody who's there to say, hey, you're, you're doing great. Like this is really hard, but you're doing great. Um, just that um, reinforcement. Um, and, and birth doulas, for those of you who are wondering, they don't ever replace a birthing partner. Um, uh, in fact, they just, they support the birthing partner is just as much as they support the birthing, um, mom. So it's, uh, it's one of the most frequently asked questions as well. You know, isn't that what the, the partner's for? But, um, but the, you know, the answer to that is no. Um, and there's also, I mentioned, there's a couple of, you know, there's, there's postpartum doulas as well. And so postpartum doulas, um, come to the home after the baby is born and mom and her partner have settled back in and they come in and check on mom and the partner and they can help with, um, they can hold the baby so mom can rest or shower. Um, they can help with light, um, household duties, you know, heating up soup for mom, you know, get, making sure mom is nourished and hydrated, um, you know, doing some light laundry, those types of things, um, just because it's so exhausting in the postpartum period to be learning how to take care of this new tiny human. Yeah. yeah. What a beautiful image that made in my brain. <laughs> I love that. So what led you to decide to become a labor doula? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I don't even think that I knew doulas existed when I had my first son. And um, I was really focused throughout my pregnancy on eating healthy um, and taking care of my body and um, you know, getting the right amount of exercise that wasn't going to be harmful to the baby. And then I was really on the other side, really focused on learning about a baby and how you care for a baby and what does a newborn need. And in all of my educating of myself, I like completely skipped over learning anything about birth. 
Mm. <laughs> but like the actual act of labor and and I, you know, my husband and I took the standard birth course at the hospital. Um and you know, sometimes when you take those classes, you're just like, you're learning it, but you're just really kind of, sometimes you're blazing it over. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, some, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can relate. I think I mean, it could have been avoidant. <laughs> like I didn't, maybe I didn't want to think about it. Um, and I just had such a chaotic experience birthing my first son. Like from the start to finish, I just, I didn't know what to expect. And it's really hard when it's your first baby. Like nobody, you can learn all you want, but nobody knows what that first contraction is actually going to feel like. And um, so, yeah, so it was just the start to finish. It was, it was really long. It was really, I had so many interventions, um, birth, like medical interventions from, um, you know, and using an epidural, but even before that, um, there was some heart rate dips for my son. And so I had like an interuterine device that they put on his head because they wanted to see how he was coping with the contractions and they couldn't really tell with the external monitoring. So there were a lot of like things. Um, and it just was really, really chaotic. Um, so much that I didn't, feel in control at all. I never felt like I had made any decisions. I felt like everybody kind of was just like, okay, you need to do this now. And and I said, okay. And it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was something that, you know, we discussed back and forth. There wasn't, I didn't feel like I had, you know, any, um, I can't even think of the word that I'm, you know, I didn't advocate for myself and I didn't have any, um, Oh, what is that word? Not authenticity, but just, you know, control, but I can't think of the word. Autonomy? Is that what you're yes. Autonomy. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't feel like I had any autonomy during my birth. And so like afterwards, even though like I had this happy, healthy, sweet infant, I just kept going back to, it really doesn't need to be like that. I don't, believe in my heart that that's what birth should be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I immediately, and, and here's another thing too, that was really funny. So my, my birth was, you know, over 32 hours long and wow. around, yeah. Um, and around hour 30, which is really late in the game, my, my husband was like, Hey, how about we put on music? <laughs> Cause you're, you're, <laughs> yep. And I had put different playlists together for the birth and we hadn't even thought of touching them because it was, that's how chaotic things were rolling. And like, so that last two hours was like heaven. It was, but it just, you know, that was when I all of a sudden, that that was probably the one choice that I, that I did make during birth. Um, And it wasn't even my idea because I was, you know, I was having a baby. (laughs) I'm a little sleep deprived um, yeah so then you know when I started thinking about that I immediately was like okay how do I take music therapy and fix this problem because I want moms to have like a really satisfying experience when they give birth um and and 
Yeah. <laughs> so I just started, then I started researching doulas. And of course I found Mary D. Camillo and she has loads of research on her method, which is the sound birthing music um, method, which is really awesome. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to, um, you know, do that training and also do, I also decided that um, I, I, for me, for my, I know there's a lot of music therapists who do um, sound birthing training and don't necessarily also get their certification as a doula. But for, for me, I wanted that kind of background, that like deep background. Um, we learn a lot about how to communicate with a birth, with a birthing person during um, labor, you know, <laughs> Mm. things to say and not to say and um we're pretty good communicators as music therapists but there's always more to learn yeah isn't that the truth yeah wow so how often I guess do you have families that want both those services they want music therapy and you to be a doula and how often do they just want a certified doula or do they just want a music therapist I've only had one mom um, in all the births I've done who did not want to use the sound birthing method. Hmm. Um, and I, I won't lie. It was a beautiful birth, but it was so internally awkward for me because I felt to my, I honestly felt like I didn't really know what I should be doing hmm. and I was doing things and, sh- and um, you know, I do postpartum visits with all of my clients and her feedback was like, that was so wonderful. You were so supportive. And, you know, um, but internally I was like, I feel like I need like to put the music on. And so it was, what was really wonderful about that though, was it was really good for me to have that experience mm. and to, to realize, okay, how much I need the music. Um, but my client might not, and that's okay. And so um, it kind of helped me to, and this was one of my early births too. So it really helped me to like kind of rework um, how I was approaching my clients in the pre prenatal sessions and um, kind of less of like, we're going to do this as more of like, now it's a, it's a um, more of like a, how are we going to do this together conversation? So they're, they're a bigger, a way bigger part. I think in building um, their music kind of practice routines and protocols and playlists than I was letting them be in the beginning. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. It's it's interesting how those learning experiences come and like bring mm-hmm. out our discomfort so much and then we're able to self-reflect and be like, yeah. oh, like it, it's me that needs this. It's me that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. I want to, this, this just popped into my head. So you said you originally wanted to go to school to make playlists for movies per se or soundtracks. That's right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now how many people do you have that do like birthing videos where you're kind of creating the soundtrack for that too? Um, yeah. Um, so after, uh, after, I mean, I've never really created a soundtrack for somebody, but after a birth, I do, um, give all of my clients a birth summary and I include in it all of the music that they, that I use during their birth. So if I'm, anytime I change a playlist, um, anytime, you know, something significant happens, 
Um, and I'll give you an example of that too. So I had one, one client um, who uh, we had put a song on and music was really helpful for this client, first of all. Um, but so at one point we, uh, a song came on and she was using the rhythm really well to breathe through the contractions and then the song changed. Um, and she immediately was like, put that other song back on. <laughs> um, so we ended up listening to that other song on repeat for like, I don't know how many hours, like, wow. like several hours. Um, but it was working for her. And so like, you know, after a while, you know, the support people were like, oh my gosh, this song. But for mom, for mom, it was like, she, she needed that ritual that like, she needed, she knew exactly when it was going to start over. She knew exactly where, um, and she just needed that. And later when we were discussing her birth, she didn't remember what song it was. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. And which was so crazy because we had all listened to it for so long. And so, um, I guess her and her, um, partner had, when they had gotten home, they had, they had access to all the same, you know, playlists. Cause they, cause one of the things that my clients do is they practice using the music before birth. So they had been trying to find it and they thought that they had, so they'd been listed, they'd been playing it for the baby. They'd been playing a song for the baby that they were convinced was the song that we had on repeat. And it wasn't, it was a different song. Um, and so when I went to do their postpartum visit and I played the song for them, they were like, oh yeah, nope, this is it. <laughs> but they were all surprised that they didn't really remember what it was because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it was just an instrumental piece and they, you know, it was, she just needed it in the moment that we went with it. Yeah. <laughs> what a great example of entrainment and like, yeah, yeah, that absolutely. Makes... Well, I think that was my other thought earlier too, when I couldn't remember what I was going to say was one of the things that is really important about making the playlists um, is that if, um, if us like music can really bring us into like a really meditative focused mm. um, place. And if there's a change in that, um, and this was, this was just such a great example of it because when the song switched, it was like, it just pulled her right out of her focus. Yeah. And she, and she all of a sudden like began to panic that she, she wasn't focusing. Um, and as soon as we put the music back on, she was able to re grasp that focus and continue coping really well with all of her contractions. So, um, so that's really important when putting playlists together too. You don't want to have a song, um, the end and then have the next song be something totally different. Yeah. Um, they, they need to like smoothly kind of connect together. And that's really why a music therapist is a great person to help with that. Um, so I have clients that I've worked that I haven't actually attended their birth, but they've um, hired me to do consult and help them um, build kind of that sort of flowing thing where it's like, it's, you know, it's ending it's, you know, for all you music therapists out there, you know, it's ending on a D chord, but you're not going right into like, you know, a C. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. So it's, it's not jarring. It's not going to, it's going to be pleasant to, to their ears as the music flows from one song to the next. Yeah. It makes me think about when we talk about uh, drumming in cultures where community drumming is so prevalent and they'll just be together drumming for hours and hours and hours and how they all entrain to that and get into that. And um, my best experience with that is, I don't know if you've ever been to the Mid-Atlantic Region Conference, but they have a drum circle for like an hour or two one night of the conference every year. And that was always my favorite part because it is like, we make music all day, every day with different people. But that's um, when you're, you're doing like the same the same thing the same kind of rhythm Mm -hmm. the same kind of tempo the same instruments like it's all the same for that chunk of time and you were totally right like it's so meditative and then when it's over it's kind of like oh (laughs) where am I what dimension am I in now (laughs) yeah I did go to the a national conference in San Diego in 2009 November 2009 um and that we did a drum circle at national and it was the coolest thing I've ever been involved in because mm-hmm. everyone in the drum circle is a music therapist yep, or a yep. music therapy student. And so, you know, it just, it was so incredible. And there were like thousands of people there all drumming and yeah. like, it just everyone, you know, you'd be drumming and then every once in a while, I would just have to stop and let myself be engrossed in like being surrounded by the sound and listen. Um, and I've done that in like song singing song circles too, where it just, you know, every once in a while, I just have to stop and, and just feel, feel the music vibrations like coming at you from all directions. It's just so awesome. Yeah. It'll be nice when we can all, all be in person doing that kind of stuff again. Yeah, that brings up. So since COVID, I know there have been a lot of restrictions on hospitals in general, but also specifically births. So how have you navigated that as a doula? Because um, I'm assuming many locations haven't let you into the hospital to be part of the birth. Um, no, no. So I, um, I am part of a, bir- a doula group. Um, called for our local hospital um called the Wentworth Douglas Hospital and they are uh, um they are allowing doulas in um and not just our doula group they're allowing doulas into that are not you know Wentworth Douglas specific doulas like any doula can can go to a birth and support a mom um there were when COVID first started, there were hospitals across the country that were not even allowing partners mm-hmm. to join in um, the birthing person's experience. And it was heartbreaking to hear these stories of, um, you know, laboring people who couldn't have their support person with them, never mind a doula. Um, so I feel really lucky that, um, and in fact, as far as I know, you know, most of the local hospitals are allowing doulas. I know that like Portsmouth Hospital and Exeter Hospital and Wentworth Douglas are all allowing doulas. And so I feel really, ha- you know, lucky to live in an area where birth is so supported and birthing 
persons are so supported. Yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. that makes me happy to hear happier than where I thought that was going to go. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of things to navigate, you know, we've had to navigate PPE and like mm. mask wearing during births and, um, and, you know, the, and a lot of, you know, especially in the beginning, like the rules keep changing and, you know, first you need this and then you need that. And now you have to go to the store. And, and so there's just like, as there's just a lot to navigate, but yeah. it's, <clears throat> um, again, like there's so many moms who are just adapting and they're rolling with it. And they're having beautiful births, even in the middle of this crazy pandemic. Yeah. Rolling with it. Rolling with it. So <laughs> for anyone listening who's really intrigued and interested in becoming a labor doula themselves, where would you suggest they start looking? Uh, what resources would you recommend? Yeah. Um, well, for a birth doula, there's um, the largest certifying agency is Jonah. Um, uh, that's the, probably the most, um, well-known. Um, and then there's, there's so many other certifying organizations that are, you know, wonderful and unique. Um, the, my certifying agency is Childbirth International. Um, I really liked, uh, they, they we took a really multicultural approach to learning about birth and being a doula. Um, which is what really gravitated me towards um, that specific program. Um, and it was an online program. It was a distance learning program, um, which is another reason why I really um, was glad that I paired it with the sound birthing program, which the CMTE, which I did in person. Mm. So I had a full intense weekend of like 48 straight hours of being with other music therapists who were learning to um support women during birth and pregnancy um and so we got to you know practice actually putting ourselves into birth positions and um like that that's some of the types of things that you don't get in an online um training program so even though i was doing my doula certification strictly online i i was i knew i was missing that like well i can look at this picture but i really feel like i need somebody to be like no this is what this actually feels like or so that was it was good to have both um yeah. <laughs> awesome. I will link those. Yeah. And then definitely, you know, sound birthing, um, the it's soundbirthing.com. Um, and Mary D. Camillo is a great resource as well. Awesome. So those will be in the show notes for all the listeners or anyone who wants awesome. to look into that further. Do you okay. have anything else you want to get into before we move into our rapid fire questions? No, I don't think so. Alrighty. Oh, I'm a little nervous. Oh, don't be. They're they're all questions about you, and I ask them to all the guests. So there's no oh, wrong fine. answer. <laughs> okay, fine. So the first one is coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Oh. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Is it if it's preference, it's night owl. Um, but I'm up at six every day for the kids. So, yep. But if I had, but by choice, it's night owl for sure. Gotcha. <laughs> that probably helps with, uh, some of the labors. I'm sure. I know that like at, time is, does not exist, yeah. but I'm sure yeah. that's helpful at times. I like being up at night because it's, 
it's quiet and it's dark and I how it's like my favorite alone time Mm. (laughs) yeah something you would tell your younger self oh that's a good one Mm. I you know take your time yeah, I like that. Yeah. Your music therapy elevator speech. And if you want to throw in your doula experience in there too, however you would explain that. Yeah. Um, I always like to tell people that, um, you know, they say, what's music therapy? Uh, and I always say, uh, I, uh, I help young children um, with communication and social and cognitive skills using music. Um, Another one that I sometimes like to say is I help strengthen relationships. I use music to help strengthen relationships in between family members. Um, Let's see, for birth, I would just say, um, I guess I would say my job is to help you have the most satisfying birth and um to exercise your own autonomy love that yeah good ones your favorite self-care practice running yeah (laughs) do you do like marathons or just for fun um i'm training for a half marathon right now um, that is, it was supposed to be in May, the, mm. the Wallace Sands half marathon. It was postponed to October and it will most likely end up just being, they still haven't actually said they're not doing it, but it'll most likely be a virtual, um, half marathon. So I'm on like, uh, I'm going to run 10 miles tomorrow. Wow. I, my brain can't even fathom that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I get so much accomplished when I'm running in my head. I believe that. I like, I release stress. And then once the stress, like that's the first couple miles. And then once the stress relief is there, then I start like thinking and planning and like dreaming Mm -hmm. and not just dreaming, but being like, okay, this is, this is the dream. And like, I start like laying out the plan for how I'm going to make that happen. And like, that all happens when I'm running. Yeah. I get my best ideas. Like sometimes I, like occasionally I've, I've like written a song for a client (laughs) while I was running. I just, it's like my thinking time. I feel like it's when my head is the most clear. Yeah. That is a beautiful self-care practice. That's how I, I was a swimmer all through college, uh, and that's how swimming was for me. I was a distance swimmer, too. So my my practices awesome. with my fellow distance swimmers were always, like, an hour longer <laughs> than everyone else's. I'd be like, oh, don't you get bored? And I'd be like, no, I never get bored. Like, my head is just such a great place to be once after those first couple miles when we've, <laughs> we've de-stressed. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I miss that, though. There's no pools around here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not really. No, no. We have a, um, above ground pool in our backyard and I, um, uh, we just, 
I used it for my cross training days this summer. Yeah. I was part running. I did, so you can do like shallow water running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would, I was doing some swimming, but it's harder to swim in a, you know, a four foot deep pool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the water's so good for like, it, it's both resistance training and it stretches out mm-hmm. your muscles at the same time. Now oh, that, yeah. yeah, when I'm not in the water, I'm not in the water every day anymore. So when I do get in, I'm like, oh yeah, this feels so good on my body. Like, you yeah, forget. and for runners who are like pounding pavement, mm-hmm. swimming in water is one of the best, um, like cross exercises to like help those muscles that you're like abusing by running on concrete. Yep, which isn't ideal for your body, but we do it anyway. <laughs> but that's where <laughs> they tell us to run, so that's where we run. <laughs> yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Hmm. Um, can I say COVID? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's your answer. I mean, um, oh gosh, I don't know. We've just had so much. Like, I know this is like. We've had so much family time. Mm. Uh, and I think part of it is that my husband is a chef and um, up until COVID, he was like a 90 hour per week chef. Wow. And um, and he didn't spend a lot of time at home with us. And, um, and now he's just home so much. And like, I love that like the kids are getting to spend more time with him and the kids are getting to spend more time with each other. And don't get me wrong, like... <laughs> everyone's also at each other's throats at times, but, um, I just feel like we've really like, we're, I don't know, as a family, like we're, we're really bonded right now. Oh, I love that. <laughs> because of COVID. And, and that's okay. You know, yeah. um, I remember early on, I saw this repost from a teacher about like, you know, should we open schools again? Should we not? And the teacher, they didn't write this. It had been going around, but it was, you know, parents are afraid that their kids will be behind but what if they're not behind because they're ahead in life like they know how to work did, yeah. through things with their family they know how to value our now quote essential workers which was not a term eight months ago right um they they just have a different outlook on life where it's not hustle and bustle and get things done and you know whatever capitalism consumerism they just are able to see reality more than Mm -hmm. we did yeah because we grew up going to school every day and yeah and kids are really resilient I feel like sometimes they're more resilient than adults um or maybe resilience not necessarily the like they're more they're more able I mean not all kids but uh, like they're more able to just go with the flow sometimes Mm. um like remote learning's really hard for some, I mean, remote learning's really hard for everybody, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think that like, and I think I said this earlier, but it may have been before we started recording, but like, I keep, I keep saying to myself and I was thinking about writing about this, but that I feel really deeply that 2020 is just making us all stronger people. Mm. Um, and whether that's, you know, stronger as a business owner, because um, I've had to sit down and get real clear about what are 
what is a necessary expense and what is what we can do without because you know our um we're just not able to just spend money so freely right now Mm -hmm. um and so that has actually really made the practice like a lot more stronger and stable financially um and then you know like i guess like the kids are having this experience that we didn't ever have and like on the other side of this they're going to have had this experience in this like huge life experience um that i can that i think will only make them stronger going forward in life um and so for anybody any job type um this is a really hard time in our lives and um the other side we're going to come out stronger agreed Agreed. Oh, I just had this uh, imagery. I forget where I heard this recently, but they were talking about how in birth, this is why it tied together, in birth, like, you know, it's dark, the womb is is warm and safe and a little more quiet, and then birth happens and, like, the baby is being squeezed and screaming and there's lights and everything is, like, it seems to be the world is coming to the end, and then it's a whole, like, then life starts. that baby and how like right now is basically that's what we're going through like we're screaming and things are happening and like no one knows what's going on but just like you said we're going to come out on this other side and be so much stronger uh but when we're in it it just feels like we have no idea we have no idea if this is healthy exactly (laughs) yeah and we're coming into it it's not going when we come out on the other side it's not going to be like it was before it never Mm -hmm. will be because we've been through this yeah yeah. Mm. That just that tied well in my head. Okay. Your favorite yeah, intervention. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Your favorite okay. intervention or song to use in a session. Ooh. Okay. So I work with really little kids. Um, and I'm not going to lie. If the ants go marching. Yeah. <laughs> because there are, I have used it in so many ways. Like I can't even count on my fingers and my toes, the number of different ways. Um, I've used it with, um, to work on fine motor. Um, so drumming on a drum, like we're marching one by one, two by two, um, using two fingers, using three fingers, using four fingers. Um, I've used it with piano students to learn finger numbers. Mm. (laughs) Um, I've used it for numerous reasons of like steady beat, um i've changed the ending so many times for um to allow for like uh fast and slow and controlling different tempo and i don't know and just there i can think of so many different goals like and i just changed the song to meet that goal there's probably at least 250 ways i could use the Ansco marching (laughs) that would be a good blog post 250 ways to use the Ansco marching Uh, I should write that down. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Awesome. And lastly, where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah. So uh, definitely my email is a great place to get in touch with me. Um, Any questions about sound birthing, um, labor, birth, music for birth, um, but also really for music in if you're just pregnant and you want to learn how to use music during pregnancy because that's such a huge part. So just um, my email, which is marissa at the sonatinacenter.com. 
And if they want to check out our website, it's www.thesonatinacenter.com. And we are on Facebook and Instagram also. Um, Facebook slash the Sonatina Center, Instagram slash the Sonatina Center. Yeah. Cool. I will have those all linked in the show notes as well. So the listeners can find you, see all the great stuff you're doing and um, connect with you. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for making the time to be on the show. I learned so much in this conversation (laughs) and I, I hope that for someone else who didn't know a doula was a thing or maybe has heard it and now has knows where to start, has an idea of where to go. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all your, your wealth of knowledge and your time with us. You are so welcome. Awesome. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. hope you enjoyed the rest of that conversation with Marissa. It was great to hear uh, her take on doulaship and how passionate she is about it. It's something that I heard about in my undergraduate training, but haven't heard more about. And, you know, that could just be because I haven't dove into it myself. But it's just so one of the things I love about doing this show is hearing about how different people are using music therapy and how broad our scope of practice is and how each one of us can follow our passion down a completely different avenue but they're still valid and important and there's so many ways to use music in this world and I'm grateful to be able to have those conversations with the guests so if you're enjoying that as well please support the show by following us on social media, by subscribing to the show, uh, rating and reviewing. And also please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. Patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So when I schedule an interview with the guest, the patrons hear about it. And if they have any questions, they can ask them over there on Patreon. So if that's something you're interested in doing, then please become a patron. Our quote this week again comes from Mr. Rogers. Real strength has to do with helping others. <laughs>